Welcome to App Talk with Uptick, where we dig in the, into the nitty gritty of how to grow apps and games. We speak with industry experts about specific strategies, tools, and tactics they use to find success. And we keep you up to date with emerging news and trends in the ever-changing games, marketing, and technology ecosystem. My name is Xander Agosta, Director of Marketing at Uptick, and joining me today are my co-host... Warren Woodward, co-founder of Uptick. And our guest... Benjamin Charvid, I'm the CEO of Dalewise. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Benjamin. Yeah, glad to have you on, Ben. Um, we've been uh, following Life Beyond a bit, and uh, you know, I think we have we have close relationship with the, the Animoca team, and definitely your studio and uh, your game is like one of the most exciting titles that we've been following. So excited to Thank dig you. into. Very happy to be with you. Yeah, excited to dig into kind of the state of Web three games, and I think in particular, you know, digging into the state of like the bear market. What keeps you guys motivated as a team, and kind of how people can build through in a more challenging period. Yeah, let's talk about the hard stuff. Yeah, how have you been holding up, uh, just broadly speaking, in the bear market overall? I mean, it's been a, it's a rough couple of weeks, months for crypto folks. Um, so I mean. I would say pretty well. Of course, I'm I'm very uh, mindful of everybody who got hurt in the process, you know, and uh, that's of course a big concern. Um, we, you know, I wish we were just experiencing happy days where everything is just fantastic and easy, <laughs> but it's not. Um, a couple of things maybe that I can say here. Um, First, when you talk about the bear market uh, and you know the crypto winter, or if it's a, uh, is it or not? I think what is important in situations like that is uh, is to think. You know, you look at your the fundamentals of your industry and your market, and the, and they are extremely good. Um, I I think when you go back to why are we doing this? Why are we going to Web three? Um, you see the purpose and it's very uh, exhilarating. And the, the second thing that you look at is, of course, okay, you in the landscape. And it, the more I think about it, the, the more I think it, it, we're turning it into an opportunity where it starts to look like an opportunity for us. I think because of the massive uh, hype that we've experienced in 2021 and 2022, the... Um, there's been a lot of projects. Of course, it's great, but sometimes, um, you know, they, they they're not necessarily as diligent, or they're they, they're lacking of, um, you know, their the backbone and the structure that that they need to be successful. But it was kind of so easy that um, there was a lot of you know cash grab, rug pull stuff that, that of course we don't like. And so in an in a situation like that, I think if you're um, if if you have really good basics you know and you're you know what you're doing and and you and you're and 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 you're strong then then you it's actually a land of opportunities so right that's how we've been uh riding this this, this wave and of course the ftx <clears throat> drama um is a different story and definitely from the bear market right it uh i think it's a it's a lesson of humility um we're not web three ogs uh we're, we're not native and so when we arrived in this space sometimes we felt a little bit um oh, all the time we felt ignorant but sometimes we felt a little bit stupid you know around the other people who were kind of telling explaining us and sometimes we can a condescending way 
you know that we were just like super behind and we had we did not really understand all the uh you know all the tricks about cryptos in this world and and yeah i think at the end of the day we uh we didn't want to believe in any magic so you know when we saw high apr we ran away <laughs> uh when we uh, saw centralization we ran away so I think this is the great lesson, you know, humility, be careful and go back to the ethos of decentralization because every, every disaster that's been happening over the past 12 months is just a, it's just an output or an outcome of, uh, of over centralization. So tough time for sure, but great time to learn uh, and to get better. Yeah, I think that's that's well put, Ben. And I'm actually calling in, um, I'm in Miami this week. I'm out for uh, conference called Decentral Miami. And we really feel the pain of the, the bear market in this conference. There's like these giant halls that are just completely empty with people speaking. And it's like just night and day from last year. So that's that's a negative. But on, on the positive side, you know, we, we talked to a lot of um, Web3 game teams. And during, during the bull market, there was so much noise, so many low quality projects, people just trying to do cash grabs. Um, and that's really kind of gone away. And we see definitely if teams are still here building games with Web3 tech in them, it's usually because they, you know, it's, it's cliche, but they actually have some sort of vision for how this can improve the product and how this can evolve gaming. So I yeah. think that's the, the upside of this. And Ben, you, you alluded overall, to it, but yeah, go ahead. I think overall, it's, it, because it, was a, it became a bit easy, too easy, some people just forgot a few fundamental rules, you know, like, um, of course, we hear about horrible stories of companies who lost their runway, their treasury, you know, their like their cash because these these their stable coins or or tokens were were staked somewhere. And you're like, but how? Like, you know, if I go back to my you know general business management courses classes where you know the they were always teaching us you, know, you don't you you don't invest with the but the company treasury, unless you have a massive excess of it, uh, but this is used to pay their salaries. So of course you you can't, you, you know, this has to sit in the bank or or at least in something because is the bank really safe? You never know. But, right. uh, but, but be careful with this. Um, and I think that because it it felt, you know, I remember having conversation with people in the team and they were like, oh, I put, my, I put some tokens here, I staked here and I, I'm getting 18% uh, APR right now. It's insane. And you're like, oh, Okay, but you understand that the, there's the risk reward combination. Like you, if if you're getting eighteen percent, there is a there's a there's a risk. Somewhere. That's a high risk, risk asset. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you're not, you know, the that's risk a high risk asset. The risk. <laughs> and people just lost uh, a little bit this connection with some fundamentals. And I understand because we're in such a disruptive industry right now that in a way it's hard to figure out what should stay as it was and what you can completely challenge. Um, and so I guess this is where, you know, you can sometimes get hurt in the process. And, uh, but hopefully um, this doesn't destroy the trust that uh, all of us have been working so hard to build. Um, and, and, and of course it's, it's hurt, but I hope just not, I just hope that the pain management will be right. reasonable and they will be able to, to, to recover from that because again the fundamentals are so good um the, the the future looks so bright it's just that we we'll, we went a little bit backwards uh, right in this you know trust building 
Yeah, I think that the saying goes, if you can't identify where the yield is coming from, you are the yield. And that was quite literal in the case of FTX, where like the, the, you know, the user's funds were actively being loaned out. But um, just to stay focused on, on why we're here to learn more about your studio, uh, Ben, you, you alluded to this, but that, that your team is not um, born of, 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 of Web3 originally. Can you kind of take us back a little bit in your, your career, your path to here and the origin of Darewise as a studio and how you got to uh, where you are today? Absolutely. So I, I have a pretty funny uh, career because I started my career as an investment banker. Uh, where I used to do large cap mergers and acquisition uh, and, and quickly, mostly in the entertainment industry. Uh, but I was a big, big, uh, fan of gaming. I used I, when I was in high school. I used to be an esport player at the beginning of esport in France. Um, what game? Really competitive. Counter Strike. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, super competitively. That was kind of my life at some point. But you know, uh, making a career in esport at this time was uh, was really a challenge, and we started to see a few sponsorships, and that was really that was very that was really the very, the real real beginning. So when you know went to college, started working as a banker, um, but quickly, um, basically around 2010, when we started seeing you know the and this kind of second era of the startup time, where you see snaps and companies like that, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing, working with my you know three pieces suit in this environment where I didn't even really feel like I was building, like generating any, creating any substantial value. The job was quite interesting and I really loved the challenge. I love the people, super smart. Um, but um, but really, I, I I don't know, I was missing a purpose. Right. Um, as a big fan of gaming, um, I was lucky because I met the CEO of Ubisoft uh, as we were also, uh, that was thanks to my, thanks to my job. I uh, told him my story and uh, he uh, offered me to join the, the company. Um, so that's how I started there with no background, like as a you know game developer. I started uh, driving uh, the like strategy for the online game division. That was the, a very new uh, practice where I met a lot of the people that I were, um, I'm very lucky to work with at Dallas today. And uh, one thing led to another. I'll skip. Uh, I'll, I'll skip to this. I'll skip this part. But I ended up the, uh, becoming a, a game director and one of the creative directors on the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, so completely different from my from my previous experience. Amazing. Ubisoft was such an open-minded company and really gave uh, the chance to to people, you know, because of you know whatever opportunity would show up and they you know they would need different type of skill set and and that led me uh, to eventually start Dailwise. Um when we really with a few friends and especially with Sam uh, my C my co-founder our CTO and and someone who has been with us and who's now with us full time uh, Vince who's our uh, uh, chief uh, uh, strategy and, and product we 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 really started to dream of this kind of large scale world. Uh, before we were talking about the metaverse, I I read about the metaverse in 2014 when I read my first book of Neil Stephenson, and that's how I started to be like, this is what I want to build. The this I believe the future of our digital existence is going to be in this world, and so we started to go there. We met with uh, some really interesting guys at a company that you now know called Improbable. Um, and that's how things started to happen. And, uh, and, and we opened the studio in 2018. 
So you're from the good old uh, investment banking to AAA game director pipeline. Just yeah. <laughs> the good, the good old, as you say. <laughs> it's it's it's, yeah. it's funny because of course when you like there was I, I tried to always mix both experiences, um, not in the pure investment side, but the economic, uh, the economy part of the the you know this world has always been fascinating to me. Because right. I, I, I've been a, a big believer that you know, free market is what connects people through you know, meeting supply and demand. This is how you feel um, innovation, entrepreneurship. And, and then you start seeing things that you never thought. You know, like you, you, when you design a game and you want it to be a, a lot, very much of a sandbox, the marketplace, you know, the ability for one one person who has a need to find someone who can address this need, this is when you start seeing the real sandbox happen. So super interesting to be able to to get our hands uh, dirty on something like that and then you know a long journey to eventually get where we are. Makes sense. So can we talk a little bit for the uninitiated about you know what life beyond is, um, how early in the Dear Wise life cycle it came about? And at one point, did you decide to make it a Web3 game? We'll start there. I mean, we can continue to interrogate that line of questioning, but start there. Yeah. So so the high-level view is that Life Beyond is a AAA um, MMORPG, um, but new generation, and we can talk about it. But that's the, I would say that's the entry point. The, the goal of this MMORPG, uh, it's an, it really ambitions to, to, be, to become a, a fiction where we can live. And this is because, you know, I, uh, we're all MMO natives at Dailwise. We've, we've been in this world, even online Star Wars, Galaxies, um, uh, Ultima, EverQuest, World of Warcraft. We have been, in a way, digital citizens in this world. You know, and we've, we've, we've had a first flavor of what it feels like to be there, to, you know, have friends, like have something that would be as meaningful as a job, when you're a guild leader or a guild officer. But eventually there was always this kind of wake up call, you know, the, like, hey, it's just a game because you don't own anything. Um, there's no space for entrepreneurship, no space for innovation in this world because there's the, the you know, the, the whole ecosystem is so closed that you're, you're obviously kind of very, very often you have to get away from it. You know, you have to move on to something else. Right. But but for me, I really built substantial relationship in this world. And so we wanted to create a world where this time you could have the same type of fun because that would, of course, be the reason why you would get there in the first place, like we would get in World of Warcraft in the first place because the gameplay was extremely fun. But you would stick for something else. And you would stick because you would start building either a social presence, but it could also be an economic presence in this world. And this is where moving to Web3 became quite um, inevitable to us, even though we didn't start this project as a Web3 project. Um, but when in 2021, early 2021, when we discovered smart contracts, uh, the Ethereum blockchain, you know, NFTs, then it was just the perfect solution for us to truly empower our users uh, through digital property rights, but also finally to be able to reward the network effect, which is the main 
component of a success in a game, you know, it's like do in, a, in an MMO game, because of course, no one wants to enter an empty lobby, no one wants to enter an empty world. And the fact that there is this presence from other places dramatically contributes to the quality of your own experience. So this is the pure definition of a network effect. Now, how do we reward this? Then previously you were not really able to, but now because of NFT, because of blockchain technologies, we can. Right. That makes a ton of sense. So you sort of alluded to this, but like in what regard have this this the your decision to build on the web three ecosystem like impacted your designs? We talked about this being the next generation of of MMO. How is the fact that this is now on the blockchain? Really, what what are what are the design decisions that have flowed through now ownable assets and programmable contracts that are like really impactful to why to to your game and to your ecosystem? So the the, the first obvious one is the is the fact that your your assets are immutable, you know. And so of course, when you're uh, constantly building, uh, when you build MMOs, usually you're you you know your game is never going to be balanced so you always have to rebalance it each instance so some very often you will very time you, every time you have an update from blizzard some characters get pumped others get nerfed um it's you know it's the how it, it, i love this uh this uh, legend you know that uh, vitalik started the ethereum blockchain because he got his world of warcraft character nerfed and he was so upset because of that. So of course now, because by nature, they're supposed to be, these assets are supposed to be immutable, you design very differently to make sure that, you know, you're not designing something that can just break the game forever. The second thing is that um, we, we have to um, today think of how we can still manage a form of control in the economy in the in-game economy, because it's going to, there's a high chance that it's going to be unbalanced. Uh, how we're going to make sure that, you know, if there's a massive flaw in design, this doesn't destroy the experience for everyone. And it's not because we want to be over-centralizing, it's because unfortunately, no matter how good we are at simulating things, you know, it's just best to have 30 years of experience driving really some of these massive games in the team that lead, lead you to, and you don't even need to have a lot of experience, actually. You just need to read, you know, whatever uh, books and content was published by all these great MMO designers. It's impossible. So you have to find a way to be able to interact with this economy. The other thing is that um, we like to think of ourselves as also um, an important player in, the ma in, in, in driving the massive adoption from the traditional gamer gaming community to Web3. And right now, as you can tell, it's not, you know, we have a long way, we have a lot of work to do. So, so we also had to come up with designs and token structure that would make it extremely friendly for Web2 players who don't really want to go through, um, you know, setting up a wallet and like don't want to hurry here about blockchain and an audience that loves this shit, you know, that right. loves the whole, Web3 component, DeFi, uh, GameFi, and I, I'm, par I'm, I'm part of them. So, you know, finding something that to, and, and to be able to uh, serve and satisfy everyone is challenging, but this is what we're, I think we're doing pretty successfully on paper, at least on paper. Yeah, Ben, you, you talked, you touched on two 
good topics. I'd like to go deeper on each of them. Um, first, economics, and then on growth and adoption of the player base. Um, for economics, so I mean, anyone who knows me, no one is more bullish on Web3 gaming overall uh, than I am. But one of the things I reflect on a lot, um, both for the teams that we support at, at Uptick and then some of the building that I'm doing in my, my free time, is arguably there's been no, to your point, there's been no proven long-term sustainable model for a Web3 economy yet, yet on market. Um, you know, we come from oh. more of a free-to-play background originally where it's like you can kind of copy-paste yeah. existing models. And I'm just curious, A, do you, do you agree with that thesis and does it, does it keep you up at night? Um, just sort of how early we are and sort of the lack of long-term viable economic models. I mean, we, we have to face the reality that we, we can't say for sure that there is an outstanding, you know, Web3 game economy today. Like there, I think most of the time the, these were not intentional. Um, so I'm among the, uh, I'm among the, those who believe that, you know, SkyMavis is going to uh, find ways to 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 work it out with the with Axie. Um, I, I I'm still amazed by what they managed to achieve. Uh, it's really impressive, and and so you know there are a lot of people calling polynomics a bit too uh, too easily and too often, and I don't think this is exactly what's happening. But there was a, a, a there was maybe a, a wrong you know or maybe. You know, again, as usual, because it was a bit too easy, we thought it was, could be true. But yes, I don't believe that play to earn is a viable model as 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 how it was defined. Play and earn is absolutely, but play to earn, which I think uh, defined as the sole motivation is that you're playing to earn something. Right, or at least the primary. Uh, yeah. I think that the problem is that, you know, this is not, it's, you know, it's about, you know, zero sum game and stuff like that. Like, how, you, how does it work? If I go to a store, um, sometimes someone has to spend money. You know, we can't just earn money every, all of us earn money from right. the store. Uh, well, I mean, back, back to, to what we talked about up top, you know, the yield has to come from somewhere. And in the case it, of really play to earn, it, there's a dependency on long term. On, on everlasting growth, which of course is unsustainable. And to your point, exactly. like we're, we work with the Sky Mavis team. They're one of the teams that we support most closely and we're very bullish on what they have planned for the next phase of Axie. They learned a lot from being the first. Exactly. So, that, so this is exactly my view. You know, it's like, yeah, so far we know that. The, the second thing is that um, I think there's also been the mistake in the fact that we have taken currencies as investment vehicles, while of course it, they can't really be both. Um, if you're, if it's a currency, by definition, it has to remain rather stable. Otherwise, some this tool that is supposed to power the transaction, you know, fuel the transaction within an economy, just becomes out of control and ends up creating a lot of inflation, uh, and and so hurt and basically hurting, you know, people who can't afford to to keep up with the this, the rise of prices. And at the same time, we have speculation on on these assets. So this is a problem. And this is where um, it's very difficult to have a single token system um, because the problem is you want to you want to have an investment vehicle because it's also important. You're building you're building a business, and this business has to you know grow in value over time. And this is why you have a governance token. But at the same time, if you, you, you need to have a currency that is used to power the transaction within your economy with the less friction as possible. 
you know, be able to do it very instantly. So, so you need a utility token. And and, the, and 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 now that you've said this, because on top of that, we're in 2022, soon in 2023, with a very different market. Now you also need to find utilities for all of these tokens, right? So even your governance token can't just be about a governance right. Like it has to be more than that. Otherwise, the value starts to be really challenged. So it's definitely complicated right now to figure out the best, you know, economic design or tokenomics more. But um, and I don't think we can say for sure we that there is one out there that is just killing it, uh, that fixed everything. But I see a few stuff um, that are interesting and uh, that uh, that are very worth uh, you know keeping an eye on, keeping an eye on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing your thoughts there. Um, let's let's pivot to that second topic that you already kind of alluded to, which is uh, growth and adoption of the player base. So this is like Uptick's core work. We work with a number of Web three developers, like from very small teams on up to Axie, all about this journey of A, how do you throw up grow with a Web3 native audience? And then B, how do you expand beyond that to you know millions of, of regular players outside of the Web3 ecosystem? Would love to just maybe start with kind of your thesis for, for life beyond and how you yes. uh, plan to address both of those audiences of Web3 natives and traditional players. Yeah, and of course, I have to I have to remain very humble right now. I, it, those are just uh, assumptions because we're we're still super early. Um, we have at this point we have one million NFT holders, which is not too bad. Uh, but you know, it's still a very low number when you compare to uh, to uh, to you know the very successful and, and traditional games. So, our take on that is that first, and sounds a little bit. Uh, candid but yeah you need to build a really good game and this is obviously the first focus if there's only one this is the focus to put. I build a really good game it might not satisfy the web3 audience because some web3 players are actually they're crypto gamers they're really obsessed um and you know there it's not there's no judgment here but they, this is what really they're what they're dri driven by you know the whole play and earn mechanic, how can they uh, get the best assets so that they can stay, they can earn stuff from that. And of course, if you're focusing on the core gameplay and not so much on this part of the, well, it might, it might not really cater to them. So that is really like focus on building a good, like a really good game. Um, and it's obviously the hardest thing to do. It's so difficult to do, to do this. The, the second thing is that right now it's it's still too complicated for a, a, a traditional gamer who, who's not really into Web3 stuff to go and interact with these games. You have to create a wallet, you have to sign transactions, you don't really know what it means, it's a little bit scary. What I think is that we we need to be in a position soon where we stop talking about Web two and Web three. You know, it's just this game, and people come to play this game because it's fun. Right. And yeah, of course, if you this game has also this one ex insane benefit, which is that you own your assets, and if you want to do that, just get a wallet. You know, and then you can you can move all of these assets on chain on your, and then then they're absolutely yours. So, yeah, I think we're yeah. we're fully in agreement there. Like we 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 got something backwards in the early days of Web three gaming, which is like waving a flag about this technology 
and uh, these terms that we use inside the kind of crypto and Web3 bubble. But we need to take a step back and realize there's still largely negative sentiment in the mainstream. And by a game saying like, this is an NFT game or this is a Web3 game, it's actually actively repulsing players. Whereas to your point, the underlying technology and functionality, like if you can own and trade your assets, that's all good. Like people love that, but they just don't like the baggage, the cultural baggage associated with Web3 at this point in time. Absolutely. So I think the more and, we can put that in the again, background. You know, if you look at the, if you look, if you look at history uh, for us in the game industry, I, I was there at the beginning of free to play and we were experiencing exactly the same thing. Uh, even, even though the value proposition of the free to play was not always that good compared to what I think what we can bring, but it took Supercell with Clash of Clans, it took Riot Games with League of Legends, so that people stopped thinking that free to play games were very poor quality games. Right. And, and then they stopped even caring about the fact that it was free to play. They just played them because they were great. And that's that's all that matters. I, I fully agree. And I would also add, I think it all almost took like a, a generational change. Uh, like like a, a, a generation of kids that grow up with free to play accessible as they started playing games versus yeah. like us, you know, a lot of us that are a few years older uh, had a natural repulsion to free to play because it pushed against uh, expectations we had of like you buy a game off the shelf and you have the whole thing. But like if you're coming to it fresh, uh, if you're a young person, you just see these options, the value proposition of free to play, I think, is very clear if you don't come to it with that bias from like your past experiences. And I think it'd be very similar with Web3 gaming as a new generation comes up. It's like you can for own sure. you can own your collectibles or you cannot own them. Well, of course, I'd like to for own sure, them. For sure. But that also requires us developers to change a few things. Um, a lot of the NFT, uh, you know, world was built around speculation and FOMO, right. uh, scarcity. Which of course is great to drive up value, but it also gets goes a little bit against that sentiment right now. You know, the if you start making it so inaccessible because there are only uh, you know X thousand uh, NFTs that you can mint, uh, or and then so because you know when we when we started making this transition, some people were uh, came to advise us and be like, hey, you need to. Um, so what you can do is sell PFPs as uh, avatars, and there are only going to be ten thousand. I'm like, well, what do you mean? So we have ten thousand, like maximum, we have ten thousand players. Yeah, but then people are going to fight to buy them, and, and I'm like, but okay, but okay, let's forget the money for a minute. I I, I used to be, uh, you know, uh, I used to work on Assassin's Creed the division. Mm -hmm. I used to enjoy making games for millions of players. Right. Our our chief creative Mark Albini was the he was the game director of Assassin's Creed Unity of Dying Light Two. We like to make games for uh, a, a large audience, not for uh, a few, uh, you know, a, a small number of happy few who managed to have the money or to hear about the thing before everybody else, so that they could, uh, you know, they could put their hands on the assets and that now if you want to play you have to rent your assets so i understand the model it it, it 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 can be pretty appealing but at the same time this has never been our motivation at the always we are trying to do something that is bigger than us where we can gather everybody in a world where we can build stuff together so of course it goes dramatically against the idea of limiting the you know the access to the game through the ownership of an NFT. Right, that makes that makes a ton of sense. I mean, that's basically my the core, my core critique of this entire ecosystem since the beginning. So, I mean, you, you touched about this a yeah. little bit, but um, so 
obviously you expect life beyond has to be a good game for us. Where are you in the development life cycle? And like, what are you doing to ensure that, you know, it is the good quality game that everyone has now the yeah. highest expectations for? So some people would say we've been working on this for a long time because we started in 2018, but we were a small team. Um, but we're still, we're still pretty early in the sense that we still have so much to do. Um, we had a pre-alpha that was running, uh, uh, not a pre-alpha, an open alpha. Pre-alpha was before but open alpha that run uh, until until October. Amazing, we had 20,000 players. It was very interesting to collect all this feedback. Um, and what we've been, what we were doing here is what we have been doing for the past few years, which is we always tested the game with our players. Um, we we've done some crazy stuff at Delaware. We uh, back, I think it was in 2019. We we would onboard every single like alpha player, pre-alpha player through a 15 minute video conference. Like we would spend 15 minutes with every single player to you know tell them about the game, tell them about you know what they can do, what's not working, understand their motivation, and. This is what's really great, you know, when you push it further and you go really fully into Web3 is that your community is here and you don't just build something and then you get their feedback, it's you build with them, you know, so you make decisions with them. Um, and we've done it recently on, on a very strategic decision, like we've really, on, we involved our, our founders, uh, the ones who hold the founder key in, in the decision process on Discord. So, um, Live Beyond is also a game that is so much bigger than anything that we've ever done before because it's not just a game, it's a whole world where you can be whoever you want. So think of like a game that has at the same time multiple games. It's a management game, it's an action game, it's a driving game. Uh, you know, so it has all of these things uh, that we have to build. So, uh, so we still have a, a good time of development ahead of us, but and this is the, the the last thing on this point. The well, also understanding that now a game is more than just a software. A game is a game like Life Beyond. It's a game server, and so, which means that you can interact with this game server that's going to be running obviously twenty four seven through a lot of different channels. Every time we think of like the Unreal Engine client, but you can think of the web, a website, a mobile app, where you can have different types of experience available on this platform. Um, you know, when you do crafting, you don't really need a 3D UI and, you know, rendering in the virtual world to do that. You can do it on your phone, you know, and while in the metro, uh, in the, you know, traveling from one area to another. So this is, those are the things that we're developing right now. Uh, and 2023 is going to be insane from a content standpoint because we're going to start pushing things from everywhere like unreal uh, web mobile i'm super excited about it yeah makes sense it's exciting i'm excited to see what comes down the pike in that regard we talked about this a little bit at the top but i wanted to get um a, a thoughts about this in the context specifically of your game how has the downturn in crypto affected your go-to-market strategy and is it something that you are how, how are you thinking about the downturn in the context of how you're bringing your product to market? So this is one of the topics where we uh, we actually consulted with our, our community of founders because again, uh, what is fantastic in the in this in, when you get into Web three and you really start to understand that it's actually not so much about technology, but it's an ideology more than anything. 
and and the the big yeah ideological changes is changes that you're not so much in your consumer uh, you know uh, uh, customer consumer relationship but customer owner so your stakeholders you know they when you when when you do something successfully they benefit from it if you suck they will they will be hurt by it so so we really consult with them you know we're like, hey we were considering uh, you know dropping our nfts this week but then their ftx that has that happened or super bullish on what we're doing we think it's uh, it's amazing but what do you guys think and we got a lot of interesting feedback we 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 kind of almost put in for both uh, uh informally with them so the first you have this relationship okay so this is very strong because it really helps you also understanding more the dynamic of the current market the second thing is obviously we have to be more reasonable you know we don't projects don't sell out uh within an hour they don't always sell out within an hour uh shout out to my our friends at mighty bear because they they did a, an insane launch of their uh, uh their their heroes the uh, i think it was yesterday and i think they minted the 5000 of them 24 minutes so see there, there are still some beautiful stuff happening uh, and to see this community being so engaged, but of course, right now, our approach is to be more reasonable, you know, to lower a little bit our expectation, to also work harder uh, in uh, onboarding key opinion leaders and, uh, and you know, other communities on the project. And it's not because we were putting any more money. It's, uh, it's not about the money. It's just about spending the time, you know, to connect with these communities and 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 again this is where you start seeing the benefit of the network effect at the different mm -hmm. scale at the different level yeah uh ben i mean you you touched on a a, a good point which is i i think you're you're expanding a lot on what works to reach the kind of web3 native user base um and, and you know similar thoughts from our team is like when we're going after that player base it's a lot on partnerships with existing robust like-minded web3 communities more organic non-paid marketing functions yeah uh, but as you said earlier i mean the scale uh, available of active players that are in web3 it's it's pretty small especially in the bear market and to your point like of these yeah. these 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 games that are focusing on how can we activate 10,000 players i mean like the larger games that we're servicing in our web2 portfolio we acquire that many players daily before lunch for for some of them, you know. So, like, how do you think about? Um, obviously, like early on, you're going to be focused more on the what is that core user base, those early adopters and advocates. How do you think about transitioning from that era of life beyond to opening up to mainstream player base, and what might differ when you're moving into that phase of growth? I guess I'll have to come back to see you guys when we'll be at that point. Uh, <laughs> because, but, but we, because uh, we're we'll have experienced more. At this point, all I can give you is just a you know a, a few assumptions or gut feeling. The the thing is that you know usually what I what I believe very much in terms of product management and marketing frameworks are uh, what what is called the high expectation customer. So rather than trying to you know, to to uh, um, kind of fix my product so that I can I can cater to those persons who are not interested or who, who drop to double down and understanding better uh, to double down on the features that are apparently successfully with a group with a, with an audience and to understand that high expectation audience much better because I think that with this you can already scale to a really large number. 
I, I do believe that if you find talent, five, if you find 5,000 people who enjoy your product, your games, you can scale that 5,000 and you really spend some time understanding who they are, why they like it, where they are, where we can find more of them, then I think you can go from 5,000 to 500,000. Now, if you need to go to 5 million, indeed, this is where you have to change. You have to expand and 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 to make it, uh, you know, to to of course cater to this other type of business because you now you need uh, more persona. But I think it's important to also understand that in Web three, you can stay with these five hundred thousand players and make it a really successful business forever. You know, uh, which is very different from a traditional free-to-play model where you just need to funnel millions of players in your game are not going to stick for a long time. Uh, there was one counter example to that, which is was Eve Online with, with uh, 100,000 MAU could just sustain a massive success for like 20 years. So how do we, how will we go to five, from 500K to 5 millions? Right now, I don't know much and unless the fact, one really important thing, which is that it should not feel like it's Web3. Right. Right. So um, one thing I wanted to touch on as we we're wrapping up here, well, we had Robbie Young on the podcast, um, CEO of Mocha, got it like he, six months ago, a year ago. And one of the things he would always tout is like, oh, we, we have this big portfolio of games, we can make them interoperable. So question, to what extent are you using the fact that you're part of Mocha brands to think about interoperability across your games? Is it something you've considered well, yet? Yeah. Yeah, well, follow us on our on our socials. I think you, you'll see. Well, it's already it's already been happening. So the first thing is, I think people are, um, of course, it's great that we're all fantasizing and dreaming of the interoperability of the assets where I have my character and I move super seamless way from one experience to another. Um, I'm sure one day we'll eventually get there, but of course we're not there yet. But interoperability can happen in so many different uh, formats. The first one is, of course, um, you have token from one game that can be used in another one. So this is the first form of interoperability. And so if you come and mint the Agent Zero jacket in Life Beyond this week, you'll be able to use a bunch of other tokens um, from other Animoker properties, for instance. Um, that you know, and and from the you can be able to use your ape coin stuff like that. So that's the first. The, first. the second is um, interoperability of utilities. When you have a utility because you own an asset from one, you know, community, community one project, you're able to use it on another one. So it's not necessary that because you have a jacket there that you're going to carry, you know, wear the same jacket. Uh, in sandbox, but maybe this jacket will, the fact that you own it, will give you a lot of other, other utilities in sandbox, whether it was a live beyond jacket. Uh, we've started, you know, cross marketing because we believe in that. We want this. I think this will be the reason why people will stop churning off our uh, games after some time because now, you know, we'll, we'll stop being so defensive and protective of our own audience. And we'll be like, it's fine, you know, just. Go over there, enjoy and enjoy actually the assets that you already own, uh, and come back later. You know, rather than keeping you uh, within our ecosystem. So I, I believe that this is Robbie is absolutely right, uh, but 
it's going to take some time, you know, to 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 get to a full interoperability. We don't even have any standards yet. Uh, there are a couple of initiatives right now. Uh, there's OMA that actually Robbie is pretty instrumental with, um, and the, there's another one. So we're there's a lot of work to do, but I I think it's going to be a great benefit for us. Yeah, and. Uh... One one of the areas of interoperability that I, I you know I'm always looking at things from a marketing landscape as well like from from our work one thing that I think is sort of undervalued uh, for the promise of interoperability is actually using it as a targeting mechanism so you know if 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 you can build support for uh, a game piece for, or an NFT from another collection and you know that that has high overlap with like the target audience that you'd like in your game. Yeah. It, I think it's a great like viral marketing. I mean, we're already say, doing it. Yeah. We have cool cats. We have uh, you know yeah. board ape and in life beyond mm -hmm. and and so why are we doing this? It's not just because you know it's a growth hacking mechanic. It's we're we're also doing it because we uh, we feel what what I love um, about Web three is this idea of right now everybody's kind of a, a partner. You know, we we can all be friends. We can all try to figure out together how to success. So how to succeed. Uh, I love the guys of Block Lords, even though they're doing another game in Metaverse that could be seen as a competitor of Life Beyond. But uh, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of what they're doing. I'm sure we can create some insanely fun stuff together. Um, and so, of course, you can cross-fertilize all these communities who, again, you know, uh, you're enriching their the, the value, your own value proposition by expanding and, and by building more partnerships with other properties rather than being so uh, closed and you know so defensive. Okay, last question. If you're, um, what is some advice you can give to any developers or publishers who are either currently building in Web three space or are considering going into Web three space? Um, what's the like you know very high level? Do it, do it not, and why? No, and no, especially no, in light no. of the uh, the current kind of macro conditions you know if you're building yeah. today yeah so uh first I, I will welcome them with a very uh warm heart because of, of we need more and uh and and we and we, we benefit from having more people right now um in the future so honestly there's i don't think there's any reason to freak out and to be like are you sure uh this is this is so risky and so dangerous Especially if you're a game developer, because at the end of the day, you're building a game. And this is just, it should only be a detail, you know, that you're running it on a blockchain or nothing. So go ahead, my friend, uh, you know, um, and you're going to find, you're actually going to find a community that is uh, surprisingly extremely supportive, very often a bit more than how the web too well. Uh, was was and has been with you know uh, it's more like with more competition. Now, the something that I think is important because of the current market condition is to be well funded, and this is really uh, it's a hard part obviously, but it's important because then you can make sure that you're really focusing on building something that is sustainable and not trying to uh, get to any like short you know short term wins a low hanging fruit because you need to, you know, get in there, like uh, improve a little bit your traction or your acquisition, just so you can have better metrics to, to pitch investors. This can be, uh, you know, harmful eventually. So 
if you if you're moving to Web three, make sure you have uh, you know a good amount of cash in the bank because it, you know they're just the number of investors is going to is reduced right now. Might take a little bit of time for them to recover, and you need to have enough runway so you can make the right decisions. Yeah, I think that's good advice. There, there was a moment in time where you know you could fund your whole business a year ago off of like a an NFT launch, but that that moment's passed. You need no, no more. Need to, and and you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah, you could, but it was obviously not a not a great thing. You know, the right that that people buy your NFT and that it serve it serves as a metric to show traction is obviously a good thing because you it's great that you know your community put some skin in the game, but. Still, if you if you base all of your all, all the you know funding of the development on that, this is really risky and it's not really fair. Um, right. I think today, when you when we push an NFT outside, it has to have utility on the spot or very quickly. You know, uh, not so much like take it now and eventually you'll get any benefit. You'll get a benefit. You know. No, we, we need to we need to be more upfront now about what is the benefit, what does it come. Yeah, I think if you do it, super, you know, on these is try to leverage a speculation, speculative desire. I think you're 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 set for failure. Yes, especially now. Awesome. Well, thanks for walking us through. Web3 Gaming in the Crypto Downturn, a lot of really uh, incisive advice there. We're going to move on to our last section, which is App of the Week. Uh, I'll go to Warren first so you can see how it's done. Warren, do you have an app this week? I do, yeah. I uh, I dove into a new uh, Web3 game this week that I've been having a lot of fun with. Um, and I really want to recommend it because it's doing a few things that I like as far as like onboarding uh, players in a friendly way. So the project is called The Beacon. And it's uh, it's built on Arbitrum chain. And for just a couple of notes on it, let me pull up my notes here. So uh, the the core model of what they're building, I'd say it's a mix of it's like a, a roguelike um, kind of like Hades style game, but with like kind of cuter pixel art graphics. So kind of like action RPG uh, roguelike gameplay mixed with like an Animal Crossing kind of collecting and um, customization uh, aspect. Um, and it, it's a lot of things that I think work really well with kind of the current state of, of what you can do and, and what people get about Web3 ownable assets. And I wanted to call out, you can, you can play their demo. They're doing a few things that I think are good for introducing people. It's, it's free to play, uh, to try it. And you don't have to buy into the NFT ecosystem when the full game launches, there's gonna be a full free to play way to keep playing. Um, but they're also doing some novel things I like with their NFT launch that I think are much more sustainable and could be, you know, if you took like a fresh approach to NFT launches for gaming, I think some of these things make sense. So their player collection, I think they call it like founding, founding characters. Uh, they're taking an approach where it's, I think it's like a three week period and there's not a fixed mint, just you can mint as many as you want. They're $40 USD and basically just whatever is minted during that period is that collection. And I like it because it doesn't drive FOMO. It basically naturally adapts to the market of, of how much do people want these. And it's a price point that is comparable with buying a premium game. Um, and it, it basically unlocks like you know, ability to get rare items, discounts on future things in the game. And it's a reasonable value proposition without being like complete play to win either. So I think, you know, as we touched on uh, in our conversation with Ben, people are still kind of playing with the, the knobs of how do you what is optimal tuning for 
ownable assets in a free-to-play game. But I really like this game, uh, what they've shown so far, and it's also something where you can play it before you decide if you buy anything, which is also something I really advocate for in gaming. So yeah, check it out. Uh, the Beacon on Arbitrum. That was a lot of the buzzwords I like, and so maybe I'll go ahead. Yeah, me too. I'm totally running. <laughs> you might have just sold them to new uh, people. All right, um, Benjamin, how about you? Could you have an app this week? Yeah, sorry, I'm not going to be as fun as you. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit more boring, but actually, super slick design. I, I'm a I'm a big productivity nerd. I love this thing, probably because I had to love it <laughs> because my life my life became a little bit complicated. Um, and so I, I, I discovered this, um, this new productivity app, which is, uh, it's called Amy, A-M-I-E uh, dot S-O. It raised a pretty big seed around like $7 million or something like that. Um, and they're building a really cool productivity app, which is a, a, to-do, a to-do app combined with a calendar combined with a CRM. And yeah. um, I don't know if you guys do time blocking or stuff like that, but it's I, and I use all of them. You know, I have a fantastical uh, things three to do is I tried all of them. I'm, uh, I'm quite obsessed with it. But this one, um, I've started to talk about it to everyone <laughs> around me. So if you guys uh, struggle a little bit with managing your time and how, be, how to be more efficient, which is great for a better work-life balance, I can tell you, uh, well, go check it out because it looks pretty, uh, pretty unique. Yeah, this is awesome. I need awesome. that very badly. I'm, I'm yeah. into it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I use like workflow for to-do lists, workflow for to-do lists, and then Google calendars. And this looks like it's just both, which I mean, honestly, sounds great. Yeah, I think, again, we'll, we'll uh, check them out. As long as you have a system that you're happy with, that's great. But to me, it's like, a, I don't know, it's like a PlayStation something. I just love training. Yeah. Love it. That's a good one. Yeah, Xander, how about you? Do you have do you have an app this week, Xander? I do. I have a real app. I've been doing like terrible apps because I ran out of apps, but I actually have a good one this week. So um, this weekend, I hung out with my buddy um, who works in the wine industry, and he recommended Raisin, which is a natural wine app. It's a, and it's a two sided marketplace. So what it does is you can go and create your profile. If you're in natural wine, you can there's a whole section that I'm not touching, but then you can find winemakers that you like who based on geo geolocation and different filters and you can find the venues where they sell natural wine and so as uh if you're at all into natural wine raisin is like the world the god tier natural wine finding app um which uh you know can do some traveling soon and um very excited to bust this out that's my that's app. a really 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 a well-rounded portfolio of app of the week, that we had <laughs> yeah, week. That's so, so 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 i'm the game developer but i'm the most boring of all of them <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Benjamin. Uh, really appreciate all your insight on this. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about Darewise or uh, Life Beyond, how can they do that? So uh, Twitter, play, uh, we changed recently our, 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 our Twitter on Life Beyond, but just at Life Beyond. We have it now because we had to fight to get it back. Uh, at Life Beyond to, on, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, if you guys want to see some cool art. On Discord, obviously, uh, where uh, our, our community of forty thousand people is, you can follow me as well. Uh, I'm, uh, I've been more and more active lately. Uh, my uh, I'm at charbit.eth on uh, on Twitter, and uh, I'll, I'll be sharing some really cool stuff from Life Beyond and other projects as well. Because uh, I'm a, I'm I'm really I'm a, I'm a community guy. That's uh, that's one drew me there so i'm really enjoying this part of the of the of the current dynamic awesome 
Well, thanks again for joining us. Warren, take us out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Ben. And I'll, I'll just give an extra plug here. If any of the listeners have not actually seen Life Beyond, just look it up. If you ignore everything else that we talked about on this podcast, I think just, just look up Life Beyond, check out some of the trailers they have that showcase uh, some of the in-game uh, the in-game engine and what the gameplay is looking like. I think you'll be very impressed. And we definitely need more teams like Darewise uh, putting like really high quality games into the Web3 ecosystem. So Ben, definitely a pleasure uh, to, to highlight some of your team's work. Thank and you. on that- Thank you for that. Yeah, our pleasure. On, on that note, um, the podcast was brought to you as always by the good folks here at Uptick. Here at Uptick, we do all things to help games grow. Uh, and as we mentioned, you know, we're about 50-50 these days working in the traditional gaming space in PC and mobile and for Web3 games. Um, and now more than ever, it's really challenging, I think, to find an optimal way to bring a Web3 game to market with some of these horses that we've been talking about. So we're a team that's happy to help um, both with the strategy portion, but also the execution of the organic marketing to the Web3 natives and scaling that marketing in a very data-driven way to mainstream players once the game is more mature. Uh, so we're always happy to help with the to, and, and meet teams. We love talking to builders. You can always reach out to us and book some time at uptick.com. That's U-P-P-T-I-C.com. Talk soon.